Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys today. It's awesome that you've come to uh, worship with us and, and uh, just love seeing you guys. If you're new here, uh, thanks so much for coming today. Um, before we get into the message, just a couple quick things. Um, I want to welcome the live stream audience. It's, it's awesome for you, awesome that you uh, join with us every week and I want you to know your family. Um, it's an honor to have you join us every week. From around the world, there's so many people that are joining with us week after week. And um, part of how we uh, sort of grow our audience is by taking a minute and sharing the live stream feed from Facebook uh, to our page. And more people get to see it. We leverage technology. The gospel goes out. And it's a very simple one, two, three, click, and you're done. And um, many people get to hear the message that you're about to hear now. Um, also, the, the notes for this message are in the app, so if you do have the app and you want to follow along with the, the scriptures and thoughts that uh, I'm going to share with you, you're welcome to access the notes in the app. Um, so we are now in, I think it's our fourth week of a series called The Invisible War, and it's really dealing with the battle that we all face uh, related to thoughts that go through our mind and, you know, how to deal with those. And, and the Bible does help us uh, as it relates to what do we do with those thoughts? Because some of us are just plagued, plagued by thoughts that are so, I mean, if we were to totally share really what's going on in our mind, it would blow someone else's mind, you know? And so I've titled the message, Something I Hate, a question that I hate to be asked. What are you thinking about? Don't you hate when people ask you that question? Hey, what are you thinking about right now? Like, uh, you don't want to know, okay? I mean, do you want this unfiltered, filtered? Really, what do you want to hear from me? I do not like that question being asked to me, so just share that with you. So that's the title of our message. What are you thinking about right now? Tell me. Yeah. So we're going to talk about this today, and, and we've been just working through this series and, and, and uh primarily focusing on areas that Paul was using to address this topic. Um, but this, this war that we, we face uh, daily, and moment by moment, is a real intense battle. It can be very real, and it can be very intense. And here's why. This is the because. This is why it's real and intense. It's because your mind is your greatest asset. You know, what goes through your mind and how you handle that is a big deal. So your mind is the greatest asset you have. And so it would make total sense that the enemy would try and work to weasel his way in and get you convinced of something that's not true. And so the theme verse that we've used in this series is Proverbs 23, verse 7. And I've taken it out of the New American Standard version. It says this, for a man... Thinks in his heart, so is he. It's a powerful verse. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Another way to say it is whatever gets your mind gets you. Whatever controls your thoughts has the ability to control you. Right? As a man or a person, a woman thinks in their heart, that's who they become. That's how they live. And so there's this, there's this 
opportunity to succeed greatly by, by using the thoughts to bring glory to God or just letting the enemy use the battlefield of our mind to control us, you know? And so it's, it's important to begin to look at what we're thinking about. What are you thinking about? Um, I, I like that, that verse in Proverbs 23 because it, it, um, it talks about the heart. Now, when many times in the Bible, when the heart is discussed, it's not talking about the thing inside of you that's beating 60 beats per minute or 80 beats a minute or whatever number of beats per minute is. It's talking about your soulish realm, your mind, will, and emotions. It's, it's the person that you are. And so as you believe and, and you know, so it's, it's the combination of your mind and your belief system. And how it fleshes out in emotions. And, and so we, we believe something, but it becomes a reality to us in our heart. Right? And so as a person thinks in their heart, that's what they become. When, when the thoughts that you think become your reality, then that's who you are. That's, you become those, you, you fulfill those thoughts. That's what... Uh, the proverb writer is sharing with us. And, and so we've been using the primary uh, passage in the New Testament has been in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're gonna, I want you to turn there now if you have your Bibles. It will be on the screen. Um, this is a passage that Paul writes to the Corinthians. And uh, really the context of this whole thing is dealing with false doctrine. Because the Corinthians had had people come in infiltrate their group, infiltrate uh, their church, and begin to teach something that was opposite of what Paul was teaching. Or it, it added some things to Paul's teaching. So it, 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 was, it ended up being false doctrine. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In fact, he's, he spends about three chapters defending himself, his ministry, his authenticity, um, and why he has a right to be called an apostle. And so this really became spiritual warfare for Paul against the belief system that the Corinthians had adopted. And it says here, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. An insight that we provided several weeks ago is that, hey, we are at war. It's an invisible war. There's a battle going on. You could choose to ignore it, but it's not going to go away. You know, there's a contention, there's an enemy that you have, and it's probably good to realize what's going on so that you can stand up and fight for what's rightfully yours because of what Jesus has done. So it says, we, we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. So uh, another thing that we talked about are the weapons that God has given us to stand up against the attacks that we undergo, right? We talked about that last week. And on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I, I love that. We can demolish strongholds. We can demolish the things, the de dominating thought patterns that race through our mind, that begin to formulate uh, a part of our identity and who we become. These weapons that God has given us has given us the ability to demolish those thought patterns, right? So we don't have to succumb to that. We do have to fight. We do have to, we do have to stand against 
what the enemy's trying to do, but we don't have to be under the power of those strongholds. It goes on to say we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, so these Corinthians had, had heard and received, and really it became a part of who they were in the realm of a stronghold, false doctrine. They, they were being taught some things that were not perfectly in line with the gospel that Paul brought to the table. There were lies. There were, there were lies that they believed, and they were ultimately rooted in wrong thinking about God. They were rooted in um, deceiving the people to understand God in a different way. And I want to tell you in the same way today, that's the enemy's tactic. We, we don't have to be ignorant of his schemes. The, the, the lies that come our way are intended to undermine our belief system about God, the goodness of God, who he is, his love, what he's done for us. And, and, and when we fall prey to those things, then ultimately the more we hear them and believe them, it becomes a stronghold in our mind, our thinking. It, it's a dominating thought pattern, and we look at God differently because of that. Okay? So these lies are intended to separate us from God's love and his goodness. They're deceptive. The, the Bible says that uh, Satan, he's the father of lies. He's been a liar from the beginning. And he's, he works hard to get us to believe something that's not true. Even in the beginning, when he, when he appeared in the garden to Adam and Eve, he begins whispering to her about some things that were not fully true. There's a subtlety about his ways. There's, there was some element of truth to it, but what, it wasn't fully true. You understand? We need to be aware of this. We, we hear things, and, and, and what are we thinking about when we hear things? And so the, the area that I want to attack today is this. The last portion of that, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says this, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We've probably quoted that. We've known that. We've heard it. But my, I want to go after, how do we do it? H how do you do that? You know, because we can, we can know something, but if you don't know how to use it to your advantage, if you have a tool in your hand, but you don't know how to use that tool, that tool is really no good to you. Okay, so we want this tool that God has given us uh, to be useful to us today. So last week we looked at demolishing strongholds through the weapons that God has given us. A, a stronghold many times could be, re be referred to as almost like a fortress. If you think of like Lord of the Rings and those kind of movies where these, these cities were surrounded by these thick walls, these fortresses that would keep the enemy out, right? Uh, so so the, the stronghold carries that idea that there's, there's an intention uh, to keep something out and keep you imprisoned in your thought life, right? So you're locked in this dungeon. You're the, the, there's no way to penetrate this um, apart from God. You're locked in this place. Your thought patterns are controlling you. Your actions are the result of those thought patterns. Uh, and we've been given weapons to demolish those strongholds. So now, after we demolish a stronghold, and we talked about those through the word of God and worship and prayer, 
we have the ability to demolish strongholds. But there's something I believe, as I read the scripture, that, that is, in addition to demolish them, is now we have to continue to walk out our freedom. And we do that through taking thought, thoughts captive. You can let a prisoner go free, but if that prisoner stays in the prison just because that prisoner doesn't want to leave, he's not really that free, he or she, right? And so now uh, the walls have been destroyed, the, the strongholds have been demolished. How do we continue to walk out this freedom that God has made available to us? How do we experience true freedom that Jesus has accomplished for us? When the sun sets you free, you'll be free Indeed, but you need to know the truth, right? You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So I want to talk to you about that, because um, I have discovered that your mind, your thinking has to change in order for you to experience the freedom that God has made available to you. It's not just your behavior. You know, a lot of times when we punish children or, or we discipline them, you know, you, you took that candy, you you said something wrong to your sister, whatever. And we, we discipline them for that action. But really, the issue is a little bit deeper than the action. You understand? There's something going on in the heart that is causing that action to come about. You know? And, and it could be a variety of things. And, and so, uh, we're not just trying to change our actions. That's behavior modification. We're trying to change the way we think to align it with God's way. That'll ultimately, the outflow of that will ultimately change our actions, right? And so um, I, I remember I, I've shared bits and pieces of this story um, several times, but um, to tie in this whole thing about changing our thinking, I think this is applicable. Um, coming into adulthood, uh, I, there were some things that I, I wrestled with personally. I, I had some insecurities. I dealt with some rejections. I had some fears. And, and how this sort of showed itself in my living is I sort of loved approval from people. You know, I would do anything to get people to accept me and approve of me, of my actions, and, and make me feel like I was valuable because deep inside of me, I didn't feel like I was valuable, like I mattered to anyone. And then I had this amazing encounter with God and God's love. And, you know, I, I felt like that demolished the stronghold in my life that I didn't have to think that way. It w I wasn't controlled by those thoughts anymore, right? But I want to tell you that even uh, years after that, not many, many years, but years after that, I would still have thoughts of insecurity. I would still have thoughts of rejection. I would still have... Uh, things that made me feel like I wasn't valuable. The stronghold was demolished. It was broken. But still these thoughts would come in. And I could fall back into the same old mindset. Or I could take those thoughts captive. And I chose little by little figuring this out. I've got to do something with these thoughts. Because I know God did something. I know I met with God. I know God did some amazing things in my life. And I'm not going back to the way I was. But what do I have to do to get rid of these thoughts so they don't, they don't continue to try and control me? They don't continue to try and hold me back from being who I'm supposed to be. And I figured out that 
there is a way to deal with our thoughts. Just like that first verse says, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. That gives me the idea or the thought that I can control the thoughts that I receive and the thoughts that I do something with and I can reject other thoughts. The verse in 2 Corinthians 10 tells me that we can take every thought captive. So um, I want to start off by saying this, that I want to share with you what I think taking our thoughts captive is not. And I think that will shape for us, inform for us what it is, okay? Taking our thoughts captive is not ignoring your thoughts. Sometimes if we think, I'll just put it out of my mind, I, I ignore it. You know, when the fear comes, when the insecurity comes, when the thought comes, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. Well, it may go away, and it may not, but it'll definitely come back. And what are you going to do then? Are you going to ignore it then too? So taking our thoughts captive is not ignoring our thoughts. Taking our thoughts captive, the second thought is this. It's not thinking happy thoughts. You know, we talk about the joy of God, the love of God, uh, you know, uh, faith and hope. And, you know, even the Bible says, think on these things. And I'm not in any way opposing what Paul writes to the Philippians when he says, you know, think about things that are lovely, of good reputation. I I support that. But that is not taking your thoughts captive. You know, uh, so... Just on the topic of joy, thinking about joy is not having joy. You know, God has made joy available to us, but just because I think about joy doesn't make me joyful, right? And so thinking happy thoughts is a good thing, right? We can, we can think happy thoughts, but that does not, that's not the same as taking your thoughts captive, all right? And, and finally, uh, taking your thoughts captive is not a mind game. We're not talking about psychology, okay? We are talking about a battle between truth and lies. This is what, this is what Paul is talking about. It's not psychology. It's not positive thinking, okay? There's a, there's a battle going on, and the battle is between truth and lies. And we have the power to overcome the lies and walk in truth. And when we walk in truth, amazing things happen for us, right? So, so this is what uh, I want to go after. How do we do this? I've, I've got three very short, quick thoughts related to taking our thoughts captive that I think can help you. They're so simple, it's going to annoy you. <laughs> but I don't want to make this complicated. I, I, want, I want every one of us to have the ability and be empowered to walk in, um, walk in victory and walk toward victory and not be uh, impaired or held back because of our thought life, thought lives, right? I mean, we've been given the ability to walk in victory. So the first thought is this. How do, how do, we, how do we take our thoughts captive? The first thought is this. Don't automatically believe everything you think. I used to get into, I remember years ago when I read something, I read it as truth. I mean, this, this person's smart, the, te- the professor recommended it, it's got to be true. I, I would have thoughts go through my mind, and, and sometimes those thoughts triggered emotions. 
They triggered feelings within me. And when that happened, I would receive them as true. And let me tell you something. Not every thought is true. Don't, don't, don't receive every thought automatically as the truth. If you want to take your thought captive, you've got to begin to look at those thoughts and assess. There's a process here. You've got to assess, is this true or is this not true? So the first step is that we, we can't take every thought and believe it. Because Satan's greatest tool is deception. The Bible tells us he's been defeated, right? So the only way that he can gain authority or maneuver into a place of position is by deceiving us and thinking that God is not something that he says he really is or that Satan is more powerful than uh, we've really believed up to this point. And when we start to believe a lie, we empower him. We, we turn over authority to him in certain areas of our lives. And we've got we've to stick to the truth. So thoughts will come through our mind. Remember, he's, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. Thoughts will come through our mind that are not necessarily true. And we've got to check our thoughts. We, we, we've got we've to think about what we're thinking about. And we should confront any questionable thoughts that, that go through our mind. And let me tell you something. He knows you. That's the enemy. God does too. But the enemy knows you. He knows your insecurities. He knows your fears. He knows your doubts. He knows the struggles that you have. And so many times the thoughts have this scheme of leading into a place of addressing those insecurities and fears and weaknesses. Now, I'm not trying to glorify him. He's defeated. We've just got to recognize the truth from a lie. And that is what spiritual warfare is all about. Recognizing a truth from a lie. So, so if you, say you lived on this nice property, an acre, uh, an acre in size. And all of a sudden, one day you see a, a tent pitched on your property. A person got a fire going, cooking s'mores there. You have no idea who this person is. You're wondering what in the world's going on. And, and you go and approach them, and you're like, what are you, what are, what's going on here? Oh, you know, I just, I saw this nice patch of grass, and I wanted to pitch a tent here. And you're like, this is so strange. All right, just, just, just make sure you're gone tomorrow. And the next day, you look, and the tent's like halfway closer to your house. And you go out and approach this person, you're like, what in the world are you doing? I thought you were leaving. Well, you know, um... It got dark last night, and you had the lights on, and I needed a little bit more light in my tent because I was reading. I want you to leave. And, you know, the next day, you see the tent even closer. Uh, and and the, person, the person says, well, you had some music playing, and I just enjoyed it, so I wanted to get a little bit closer to hear the music you're playing. The next thing, this person's taking occup occupancy in your mudroom. Or in your laundry room. And you're like, what is going on? See, we wouldn't tolerate that, would we? And we cannot tolerate thoughts coming into our mind and just staying there. They cannot stay. So you've got to check the thought. Is it a God thought? Is it a me thought? Or is it a, uh, an evil thought? And we've got to check it. We, we cannot automatically believe every thought. And, and the proverb writer says this. Solomon himself 
in verse, uh, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. There's, there's like, you, you need to see this almost like you've got to put security up. You've got you've to set in place something that protects who you are as a person, your soulish realm, your mind, your will, emotions. Above all else, guard that. Guard that. Because your whole life is the outflow of what's going on inside of you. You've got to guard it. You, you can't just let poachers come, poaching thoughts come and take up occupancy in your mind and have their way. You've got to check your thoughts. So don't automatically believe every thought. The second, the, the second point I want to make is this. Focus your thinking on something greater. We, we don't have time to think Thoughts that God does not think about us. We, we cannot think thoughts about ourselves that God does not think about us. And when we do, we're, we're opening a door for the enemy to, to keep doing things. I, I love uh, what the psalmist writes in Psalm 42. These are the sons of Korah. And in Psalm 42 is one of the beautiful psalms that start up. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And, he talks about hunger for God and, and a thirst for God. And as we land on verse 5, it says this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why, why are you so sad? Why are you disturbed within me? See, there's something going on inside emotionally with this person, right? You see that? There's, there's something happening within this person. Uh, you, could, you could use the word depression, sadness, oppression there. I mean, it's carrying the same meaning. Something's going on inside of me. This person's saying, and I don't like it. It's not good. And they could have landed there. And the rest of the psalm would have been miserable. They could have just stayed there and, you know, wallowed in their feelings. Or they, they could uh, turn their thinking to something greater. That greater thing is God. And it, sa- it goes on to say, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Do you see, like, the, you see the emotional turnaround? There, there's something going on inside of me. I know the fix. I'm going to begin to focus on God. I'm going to praise him. I, I'm going to turn my, my attention to him. I'm going to look to him. I'm going to cry out to him. And he's going to take care of this sadness, this disappointment, this discouragement. He will do that. Let me, let me promise you that. In fact, um, I, I just want to throw this out there. During worship, someone came to me and gave me a word of knowledge, which is uh, a word of knowledge is uh, information about something or someone going, uh, that something or someone that's happening in this room that they would not normally know. And the word of knowledge said this, there's someone in here with deep depression and suicidal thoughts. There's someone in here, and there might be multiple. Sometimes the word of knowledge applies to many, many people. Um, Specifically, she said, in this side of the room. Um, But look at this verse related to those feelings. Why are you downcast? Why are you just so disturbed? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. He's the only one that can help you. He's the only one that can help you. And if you don't know how to do that, we, we, can, 
we can encourage you with that. We, we, can, we can help you. Don't isolate. Don't stay apart. God wants to break that thing off of your life. It doesn't have to rule you. Focus on something greater. So um, what you focus on must have a greater attraction to you than what you're standing against. My daughter, I don't know if she's in here right now, um, but one of her things she hated all her life was to get shots. She would flip out when she's getting shots. And so we would try everything to try and get her, get her attention off of the shot and onto something else. So we had to find something greater for her. And it was like, you know, we would do things like a lollipop or something like this. You see this luscious, beautiful, <laughs> multicolored, huge, everlasting gobstopper lollipop. <laughs> this will be yours as soon as you're done with that shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm elaborating a little bit. But, but, but you, you, I want to drive the point home that, that we've got to get our focus, our attention on the greater thing in order to fight the thing that we're dealing with. And in this case, the greater thing is God. We, we've got to fix our attention on the greater thing. You want to take your, caps, your thoughts captive. You, you've got to think about what you're thinking about. You, you can't believe every thought. And, and then you've got to focus on something greater. And part of that would include saying no. Those thoughts tell you to do something. Those thoughts drive you to think something. Those thoughts drive you to feel something. And I would encourage you to say it out loud as long as you could say it out loud. No. No. Practice that. No is a power. No. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going there. No. You, you just got to say it. People may think you're weird. It's okay. Just say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not thinking that way. You've got to arrest your thoughts. No. David in 1 Samuel, verse 30, it says in verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. He and his men had returned from winning a battle, and their, their, uh, their camp was, was ransacked, and their family, their kids, their wives, and all their possessions were taken away while they're out winning another battle. And so his men wanted to stone him. It says that he was distressed. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But I love this last statement. David found strength in the Lord his God. He, he could have just, you know, again, stuck in that realm of thinking, I'm done. My life is over. I made a mistake. You know, kill me now. Take me now. But he, he said, I'm going to press into God. God is my answer. God is my solution. Uh, I, I had no control of this attack. But, and I am the leader and I'm responsible. But God, you are the answer to this problem. No, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm pressing into God. He, and it says that it says here in this verse, he found strength in the Lord his God. Uh, if, if you've been... 
in church a while, there's a, another phrase that's very powerful. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord in a different translation. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes when we're in our mess, in the middle of our mess, we just got to find a way to encourage ourselves in the Lord. You know, I, I know it's a mess, but God, but God, you are able. You, you've been faithful. You've delivered me before. You'll deliver me again. You know, you're going to carry me through this. And, and we begin to fix our attention on him as opposed to the stuff. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Here's my last thought, just to revisit those first two. Um, the first one being, don't automatically believe every thought. You want to take your thoughts captive? Don't automatically believe every thought. Focus your thinking on something greater. Begin to fix your attention, your, your thoughts, your affections to the one who can help you. And here's the last thought. Declare what the word says. You want to win the mind game of your thought life. You've got you've to get the word of God in you. you you've got to declare it. You've got to use that as your weapon. They, uh, Jesus, Jesus, you know, he's in the desert, he's starving, 40 days fasting, no water, no food, and all of a sudden the enemy, like, just, he just takes advantage, he comes at that opportune time, and the enemy comes in and begins to, to tempt him and offer him things, and Jesus, Jesus stood his ground. I mean, this must have been an intense battle of, of you know, within the thoughts, within within the realm of his thinking and his mind, the intensity must have been immense. I, it's just the way I, I see it. Uh, and he's like, no, it is written. No, it's written. He, he begins to use the word of God as the thing that, the platform for which he stands on, the platform which, for which he could, he could take his position to not give in to those thoughts, not give in to those temptations, not give in to what the enemy's trying to do. We need to declare what the word of God says. And maybe for your situation, you don't know what the word of God says. And I would, I would encourage you to do this. Ask God. God, what? I'm struggling in this area. I don't have an answer. Would you give me something? And I guarantee you, God will speak something to you. You'll be reading your word. Um, something will pop out to you. Someone will just quote a verse out of the blue to you. Something will happen where your answer will come in the form of the word of God. I just know he, he just does that time and time and time again. And we just, we need to lean on the Spirit of God. It's his desire that we're free. It's his desire that we have victory over this thought life. It's his desire that we're not captive to our thoughts any longer. And so he wants to help us. Jesus paid a mighty big price for us to be free, you know. And, and so, so we should make every attempt to, to walk in that. And so we can win the, the battle of our mind through meditating on the Word of God. And I want to share with you two very quick and powerful verses related to that. Meditating, you know, it takes on a negative form now because it had an original meaning that was good. And in, in more a recent context, meditation is not uh, what God's intention was. It's more like sitting there, you know, with your fingers, your your legs crossed and your fingers up and doing om oh that's that's not what god's that's not god's intention when he talks about meditating it really carried the idea of almost like a cow chewing 
It's food over and over and over and over again. And when you sort of just chew on the word of God, you, you ingest it, you, you, you think on it, you, you talk about it, and it just gets in you to the point of you believing, not just being able to quote it, but you believe. You, it's just it's a part of you. It's a part of your identity. Um, this, is what, this is what God says to Joshua in verse 1-8. It says, uh, keep this book of the law always on your lips. You see that? Always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now look at this. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You want to you be victorious over your thought life. Get that word in Get the word of God in you. It is a weapon to help you walk in, in powerful victory over the tactics of the enemy. Psalm 1. Verses 1 through 3 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Oh, the stream just comes and feeds that tree. There's, there's something rich about the roots going down deep. And it yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Come on. There's something powerful about the word of God. And we, you know, when, when we have a thought that's contrary to the things we've meditated on, we say out loud, know that the, the word of God says. You know, I want to make this super practical as I close right now. Say, for example, you have that, that, uh, that auntie or uncle that just annoys you. In fact, you have every reason to believe they took advantage of you. They took stuff from you. And you know on holidays they're coming over your house, and you're thinking, man, they're probably going to take more stuff from me. And, you know, it's just a, a tense thing. But God dealt with you last year about it. God dealt with you last year about it, and you chose, you made the choice to forgive that person. I let it go. They don't owe me anything. I'm not going to pursue what they took. It's over, and we're just going to go on with this relationship. I may not trust them that much, but I've forgiven them. I don't hold that debt against them anymore. Uh, uh, it's behind me. It's done, you know? And so you've forgiven them. But... Every time the, the thought of them, you seeing them, comes up, you have those thoughts like, oh, there's, you know, I can't stand that person. I don't like being around them. They stole from me, this, that, the other. I mean, those thoughts start to come. We're talking about taking your, your thoughts captive, right? Those thoughts start to come. You've got to go back to the decision you make and what the Word of God said. No, wait a second. On January 5th, 2017, I chose to forgive that person. I have forgiven them. I, I'm, not, I'm not going back to that place of unforgiveness. Right? I, I've set them free. And you get something in the word of God that, you know, you're, you're free. I've, I'm free and they're free. It's over. I'm not, I'm not going to go visit it again. We had this friend named Murray come. I just met him um, this late winter. Yesterday, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, a couple months ago, and this guy came from Australia, and he was telling us a story in our group. He he ministered in our group, and it was a powerful 
uh, story he told where he, he had this belief system that nothing ever worked out good for him. No matter what, whenever he got a phone call, whenever, uh, you know, he was traveling, whenever things were happening in his family, it always ended bad. And so uh, he, he thought this, he believed it, and he was always fearful of the next bad news that was coming his way. And then he, he began to seek God about it because he's like, these are not your thoughts. This is not, this is not your best for me, God. And he went before God, and God began to speak a verse that we've, many of us in this room have probably heard before. That, uh, I, um, uh, that all, God works out all things for the good of those who love him. Those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. And he got a hold of that, and he, he applied it to his life. Because he found a verse in the word of God that applied to that situation. And God says... God's word says that he works all things out for the good. So he came up with this phrase that he would repeat time and time again whenever he had those negative thoughts. He took those thoughts captive. He said, no, it's not going to work out bad for me. And he came up with this phrase, everything always works out good for Muzz. His, his nickname was Muzz. Murray nicknamed Muzz. Everything always works out good for Muzz. Everything always works out good for Muzz. He'd get a phone call that he would normally react to fearfully. Uh, and, you know, the, the feelings arise in, his, in your heart. All of a sudden, you know, no, everything always works out good for us. He began to declare the word over his situation. And he said this. You need to hear this. He said he would repeat it sometimes a hundred times a day to combat the thoughts, to arrest the thoughts that were running through his mind. A hundred times a day. And he said it took him about three years, and now every time, normally what would have, three years, yes, what would have triggered something in him negatively, it, it carries no meaning anymore. He, he's gotten victory over it because he used the word of God, and he had to change what he believed. He had, he had to change what he believed in order to walk in victory, and that's what we have to do. We need to stick to what the Word of God says about our situation in order to walk in victory. Amen? Amen. Um, I want you to stay seated. We have a very quick family meeting, um, a two-minute family meeting with David and Sarah, and then I'm going to close in prayer, okay? When, when you hear a family meeting, that means that we are a family, and sometimes we have to give information out, right? And this, we're giving out information. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Jim. So uh, because Faith Chapel is our family, because Riot Nation is our family, we have an important change coming up in our life that we would like you to be aware of. So as of this past week, officially, I accepted a position as associate youth pastor at Life Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So in several weeks, Sarah and I are going to be relocating our family to the Midwest um, so that we can become a part of Life Church. I'll be working with a youth group there called Switch. And something that we want you to know that is from the bottom of our heart is this, not, this isn't something that we decided on lightly. We spent a lot of time in prayer and in fasting. And, and in that process, we, we, we came to the conclusion that without a shadow of a doubt, we believe that this is where God is leading us. And we want to say yes to whatever God has planned for us. So uh, we want you to know about this upcoming change in our life. We want to honor the Tuttles because five and a half years ago, they gave two 22-year-olds with little experience a shot at being on staff 
at a church and leading uh, a youth ministry. And for that, we will be forever grateful. We are so grateful to have been a part of the Faith Chapel family for five plus years and to be able to lead Riot Nation. And the things that we've learned here, the relationships that we've built here, I mean, it'll just, it'll last forever. And, and they're just so valuable to us. And we, we truly believe that, that what we've learned here and what we've gained here as leaders, as people, the relationships, the knowledge, the wisdom was just God preparing us for the next step um, in our journey. So our last Sunday here will be Sunday, May 13th. Um, and then we're going to be uh, moving later on that week uh, to Stillwater, Oklahoma. So we love you. We appreciate your prayers and your support during this transition. It's not easy, but we're very excited because wherever God takes us, he has everything we need uh, to, to complete that journey. So thank you. Amen. So there's really not a lot to say in the realm of these surprises. These happen. This the fact that they were here five and a half years you know, is amazing. Most youth pastors stay about a year and a half to two years at a church. So we love you guys. Uh, we, we are launching them into a new dimension of what God has for them. And, you know, God has a plan here just like he has a plan for them. And it's going to work out. And that plan is still unfolding. So I don't have news about that. But we want to just bless them. Um, in their going, and we appreciate so much what you guys have done as you sowed into uh, the family, and uh, you are loved, and, and you'll never be forgotten. So we appreciate you guys. All right, let's stand to our feet. I'll close in prayer. I'd like to have the ministry team come up. If you need uh, prayer for any reason, someone to stand with you, agree with you, um, if, you're, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is a great day to do that. He can help you win the victory over your thought life and so much more. He came to give you life and life to the full. That means that you don't have to walk in shame and guilt and condemnation. You could be free because your sins are totally forgiven. I want to I just pray for us that this week, listen to me, could you imagine if we began to walk in victory in our thought life? Can you imagine the new dimensions in God that we encounter because we're not believing something about God or something about ourselves that are untrue? We can take our thoughts captive. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us, and we celebrate you. We celebrate the fact that you've sent Jesus, Lord, to be our conqueror, Lord, to be the one that carries us, our hope, the one we fix our eyes on, Lord. And we thank you, God, that even in our thoughts, even the thoughts that have plagued us, some of us in this room, all of our lives, Lord, you have provided a solution. We don't have to be a victim. We can walk in victory, Lord. So right now, Father, I just ask, God, that you would give us the ability to walk this out. Not just fill our heads with more information, but we could walk this out, that we take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Lord, I bless your people today, God. I speak a blessing over them. May the riches of God, the goodness of heaven, be their portion. I bless them and we love them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.